0: The FT.
1: Welcome to World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. This week, Hugo Chavez returns to power in Venezuela. What does it mean for his country, for Latin America, and for international politics? Joining me to discuss the future of Chavez and his Bolivarian revolution is Phil Gunson, who's the economist correspondent in the Venezuelan capital, Caracas. And here in the studio is Richard Lapper, an expert on Latin America who uh, is in charge of the FT's research on Brazil. Phil, Chavez is often described outside Venezuela as an authoritarian, as as not a true Democrat. Just give us a sense of this election. Can we think of it as a free and fair election?
0: Well, the people most closely concerned, in other words, the leadership of the opposition, certainly tell us it was a free election, but not a fair election. Let me explain what they mean by that. They mean that there was no fraud in the actual voting process, but that during the election campaign, the rules were skewed in favour of the incumbent, in favour of Hugo Chávez, to such an enormous extent that it made it very difficult for his opponent to get close to uh, his total of votes.
1: And yet there was uh, a sense in the in the coverage, certainly in the international press, before the vote that, well, maybe his opponent, Mr Capriles, would actually win. Yet in the end, uh, Chávez won fairly comfortably. Is he as well established as he's ever been?
0: No, I don't think he is. Um, We're certainly not now in 2012 where we were in 2006 after the last presidential election, which Mr. Chavez won by, if memory serves, something like 25 percentage points. Uh, The opposition in those days was really in the doldrums. Uh, Since then, it's forged a very effective unified command among all the dozens of parties that make up the Mood Coalition, the Democratic Unity Coalition, and found an extremely able and articulate and popular candidate who emerged from a process of primaries that was extremely well attended. The, the opposition, formally speaking, is in, is in much better shape than it was in 2006. But of course, this is a major blow.
1: The portrayals of the political struggle in Venezuela often portrayed as more or less a straight class struggle with with Chavez representing the traditionally poor and disenfranchised elements of Venezuela and the middle classes against him. Is, is that an oversimplification or is, is it uh, near to the truth?
0: That, that's very much an oversimplification. I mean, if you just look at the percentage of votes that was won by Indy Capriles, he won, uh, according to the official tally, something like 44% of the vote. Now, if you add all the people in the Venezuelan upper and uh, middle classes together, they only come to about 20%. So clearly, and, and I mean, we see this on the streets with those of us who live here and follow the story all the time. We see this all the time. The, the Chavez's support is concentrated, it's certainly true, in the poorer sectors of society, which amount to um, probably um, 50, 60, 70, even by some counts, 80 percent. Um, but at the same time, there is an absolute cross-class alliance, if you like, that is, that is supporting both him and the opposition. Um, Mr. Capriles has has support among the poorest Venezuelans. He has support right across society. And it's far too simple to see it in terms of a of a rich, poor divide.
1: So uh, if there is uh, at least uh, some increase in support for the opposition to the point where 44 percent are are voting against Chavez, is that a reflection of uh, disarray in the Venezuelan economy or arguments about his redistributive policies?
0: I think that, that, that Mr. Chavez is losing support for all sorts of reasons. One of them is that his government, uh, and even even pro-Chavez voters would acknowledge this, his government is extremely incompetent at the simple task of governing, running the country. Uh, they can't fix the roads. There are constant power uh, blackouts uh The the phone system is getting worse and worse since it was nationalized. The oil industry, oil production has has stagnated. In general, anything that requires maintenance, investment, or due care and attention um, is heading south under Mr. Chavez. There's also a serious problem of crime. Um, Venezuela is one of the most violent countries in the world with something like in the region of 20,000 murders a year, an extraordinarily high total.
1: Now, Richard, if I can turn to you, I mean, the reason we're discussing Hugo Chavez uh, is that it's a name that resonates around the region and internationally. How far is Chavez, do you think, still the figurehead for a Latin American radicalism which which is important in other countries, Ecuador, Bolivia and so on?
2: Clearly, Chavez has some influence um, outside Venezuelan borders, but to see him as a dominant colossus striding the continent is really you know, over-egging the pudding. I mean, I take what Phil says about the degree of political and social polarisation in Venezuela being overdone in portrayals, but I think it still is the case that there is greater polarisation, certainly political polarisation in Venezuela, than is really the dominant trend elsewhere in Latin America, leaving aside for the moment Argentina. I think in a way what we've got in Latin America at the moment are two very different trends. We've got one part of the region which, you know, really until the outbreak of this huge international uh, economic crisis has been, over the past 20 years, becoming more prosperous and more stable. And I'd include within that camp very clearly Brazil. Um, I'd also include Colombia. I'd include Peru, uh, even Mexico, despite these horrendous problems that the Mexicans have with the drugs trade. And I'd clearly include Chile, which in many ways is the most successful of Latin American countries, both in terms of eliminating poverty and establishing a very long record of economic stability. And on the other hand, I'd put Venezuela and Argentina, where there's very acute political polarization and particular problems that. You know, a sort of really to do with the specificities of their histories. You know, very strong populist tradition in Argentina, you know, where President Cristina Fernandez is is losing popularity to a very extreme extent at the moment. One of the features that Venezuela and Argentina share in common is is relatively high levels of inflation, which, um, you know, in general terms elsewhere in Latin America has been reduced to fairly insignificant levels.
1: And how does the rest of Latin America uh, regard Chavez and how are they likely to treat him? I, I mean, I know, for example, that the Colombians have a very difficult relationship with him. And there was even talk, of you know, potential conflict between Venezuela and Colombia. On the other hand, the Br- Brazil, which you mentioned as the, the and I think many people regard now as the kind of the leader of the continent, has taken a different, more social-democratic path, but seems to treat Chávez with kid gloves even a degree of respect?
2: I think there are, there are several different ways to, that they see it. I mean, I think there's essentially a difference the way they treat pra- what, what they think about Chávez privately and what, how they deal with Chávez publicly. There's also, looking at Brazil, for example, and the, the Workers' Party in Brazil, the, the party that's produced the last two presidents, there's the old loyalties, that these politicians of the new left feel for Chávez and the actual differences in terms of the policies that they're implementing. The classic image would be Lula going up to Caracas and putting his arm around, uh, around Chávez and so on and so forth. And the reality is that, you know, behind the scenes, I'm sure Brazil uh, is pressing Venezuela to uh, to shift its policies. Phil, in Venezuela, I mean,
1: Chavez has actively sought uh, an international profile. Is that something that is effective for him domestically? And do you think he's been successful in becoming a a, a player on the world stage?
0: Well, I think he has. I think it's a lot harder for him to do that today with Barack Obama, at least for the time being, in the White House, uh, as opposed to George W. Bush, who was a gift to Chavez. When Bush was in power, it was much easier for Chavez to pose as the champion of uh, the downtrodden third world and the the anti-imperialist hero. It doesn't play terribly well at home. I mean, there are some people who who, um, obviously think that since Chavez is so important internationally, uh, he's a good leader to have. But on the whole, I think people are rather more concerned about whether they have housing jobs and uh, freedom from rampant crime than they are about uh, Mr. Chavez's international profile. Um, It's interesting to see that whilst his... ALBA uh, group, some of the countries that that you mentioned there, Bolivia, uh, Ecuador, for example, Nicaragua as well, members of um, Mr. Chavez's ALBA organization, which was set up explicitly as a counterpoint to U.S. policy in the region. That seems to have kind of, if not quite run into the sand, it, it, it ceased expanding. But I wouldn't say that Chavez's influence in the region is much less than it has been in recent years. Perhaps it's expressed in a slightly different way.
1: Okay, so as we come to the conclusion, perhaps you could just uh, place Chavez in a kind of historical context. Uh, Latin America's always thrown up these strong populist leaders, often with a a left-wing tinge. So does Chavez represent something that's more the past of latin america richard or do you think that he still has something to say about shaping its future
2: i think very definitely the past and i think um specifically looking at this sort of caribbean basin region an area that would include venezuela you know there is a strong historical tradition for the last hundred years or so of populist dictators or strongmen really i don't think you can describe Chavez as a dictator in a classic sense but there are these strong uh, politicians have got big associations with the military. You think of someone like Trujillo in the Dominican Republic, or even, to, in, a, in a strange sense, Fidel Castro in Cuba. Venezuela's produced its own military strongmen throughout its history. And I think I'd see Chavez very much in that as part of that, that tradition that's that's particularly strong in that part of the region. And as Phil so rightly says, you know, when there's an aggressive American administration, then that kind of strongman of the type of Chavez or Fidel tends to prosper.
1: OK, so Phil, a final word from you. Does that suggest that Chavez's future over the next term in office may depend i mean I, I gather his health isn't so great but if he isn't desperately ill that his future may be shaped partly by what happens in the u.s election on november the 6th in other words if if romney wins uh that might be a bit of a gift to to chavez and the forces he represents
0: yes yeah, so a romney victory would be a gift for chavez on, on the international front at least domestically Um, I think the oil, the the, the international price of oil is more important because in all of this we mustn't forget that the only reason, I think, that Chavez, as Richard says, policies that really belong to the past of Latin America is able to cling to power in the 21st century uh, is because he has an enormous amount of cash at his disposal and he's eliminated virtually every check and balance in the Venezuelan system and is now able to simply write a check whenever he wants to for hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. If the oil price goes down, of course, that reduces his room for manoeuvre.
1: Phil Gunson and Caracas, thank you very much for that. And thanks also to Richard Lapper here in the studio in London. That's it for this week. Until next week,
2: goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.